Well, we do like to have fun here at the JAR, and uh, part of that fun is actually going to take place in a couple of weeks when we get to celebrate uh, our, our Lord Jesus Christ and we celebrate Christmas. So Christmas Eve, uh, we're going to have two celebrations, one at 2.30 and one at 4. And people who typically don't go to church uh, are very open to coming at Christmas. So we want to encourage you to invite people. And the way we're going to butter you up a little bit is when you leave today, you're going to get one of these that simply is a, a cup, a mug, and you are going to invite someone uh, with Christmas Eve. There's a actual invitation in there. And so when you leave now. What you're supposed to not do is to take this and keep it for yourself, people. Okay? You are to give it away. And for those of you that are on stream, uh, if you want some of these, we'll have some extras. Stop by the church office and uh, we'll be able to do that as well. But your responsibility is invite people because they're going to say yes. And are you going to invite some people? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. All right. Well, uh, we're going to jump into our teaching today as we continue on with our series, Ghosts of Christmas Past. And we're going to be talking about, in particular, an issue called shame. When I was eight years old, my uh, best friend in the world was a guy by the name of Jeff. He was my neighbor. And uh, Jeff and I uh, played baseball every single summer, uh, hours upon end. And the one time I remember we were playing because there was a baseball field right beside uh, the church where my dad pastored. My dad's a pastor as well. And there was a school bus that was parked in the parking lot. And it was on the back side uh, of the parking lot. And we looked at it and we thought, wonder what's inside. And so curiously, we gave up our baseball game. We went, we started looking to try to see if there was a way to get into the actual bus. And there was no way. We couldn't get through the door. We couldn't get through the windows. We couldn't get through the back door. And so we were kind of bummed out about that. And so we decided at that point that what we would do is actually uh, go ahead and make up a game. To involve the bus. And the game was we were going to pick up a rock and you kind of know where this is going, right? We we're going to pick up a rock and see how close we could get to getting near the bus without hitting it. And so Jeff went first. He didn't hit the bus, but he got close. And then I threw it. And we did this for about 30 minutes until finally my eight-year-old arm got so weak that when I got ready to throw it, it got away from me. And it went and it hit the windshield, shattered it the size of what the rock was. And then I was able to do what any pastor's kid would do. I what? Exactly. I ran away. And I just got out of there. And I never told anyone what had happened or what was going on until finally there was a member of the church who had found out that this bus had this crack in it now. And I remember he was out looking at it and I saw it and I ran up and I stood beside him. And I remember he looked at it and he said these words, 
He said, whoever broke that windshield should feel very ashamed. And it was at that point that I wasn't going to tell him who did it. But for one of the times I remember most, I felt great shame for what I had done. This morning, I want to talk about that emotion that is deeply painful, but that many times we kind of brush it under the carpet, and that is shame. And I just want to say up front that it's going to be a little bit heavy, and so uh, there won't be tons of laughter everywhere in the teaching, but it's going to be able to help us, I hope, be able to overcome the challenge of shame. Because the truth is, is that Christmas has a tendency when it comes around or the end of the year that shame raises its head some. Shame from our past and many times we're around people that know us and we feel this sense of shame. And it's very, very important though to know the difference between shame and guilt. And so this is kind of your first fill-in that I'll invite you to uh, go ahead and put in either on your app or in the program. And it's knowing the difference between guilt and shame. What is guilt? Guilt is the feeling that I did bad. Shame is the feeling that I am bad. Let me say that again. Guilt is the feeling that I did bad. Shame is that feeling that I am bad. Shame kind of connects what I did with who I am. I did bad, therefore I am bad. And this is when we get caught up in this disease that can, can consume us of shame. Now, what you need to know is that the rock throwing was not the first time in my life that I ever felt guilt or shame. And it wouldn't be the last time. That was just one time that I remembered as a child where I had done something bad and then I felt like I was bad. But it wasn't the last time. When I was in middle school, uh, a buddy of mine uh, invited me over to his house. We went to his house and we were there all by ourselves when he went and found one of his dad's Playboy magazines. He got the magazine out. He uh, opened it up. And he said, look at this. And you know what we did, right? We read the articles. Um, <laughs> isn't that what everybody always says? We just get it to read. You are a liar. You are a liar. No, he opened it up. We saw Miss February and we were like, "Whoa!" And I remember going home. And when I went home, I walked in and my mom asked this question. The first question when I walked in. She asked me this. She said, what did you do at your friends? And I thought to myself, she knows. Like, she knows. How does she know? But I was not going to confess. But I felt very bad. And I felt shame. Fast forward to high school. Some buddies of mine and I were hanging out together. And none of us had our driver's license. But we knew that the parents were gone, so we got the car, we went joyriding, went all around, and we had tons of fun, but we knew we were wrong, and we thought that the parents would never know, 
And then the dad found out that the speedometer was different than what it used to be. And we had to stand in front of the family of these parents that looked up to me and they thought, oh, he's such a good kid. He's a pastor's kid. And we stood in front and there was great shame and I felt like I was a bad person. Fast forward to college. I was taking microeconomics, very hard class. I did not study very well, but I found out that one of the teaching assistants had the actual test and I actually paid money, took the test from him and I took the test, got an A, got an A in the class. But the entire time I kept feeling, man, what if I get caught? What if I get out of here? I'm such a bad person. I'm a bad student. And I felt this sense of shame. Folks, today, I don't know what it is for you, but I have a feeling that some of you are carrying some secrets and you have some shame from your past. Maybe one of those is something you did or maybe you're currently doing. Maybe you have an addiction that you are a part of and you're consumed by it and you internalize it and you think to yourself, I'm addicted to this and that's bad, but I'm bad. I'm a bad person. Maybe you told a lie to somebody and you lied about this person and you've kept this lie up for years, uh, maybe uh, decades even. And you think, well, I'm such a bad person because I lied about them. Maybe it's something in your past, maybe something in your sexual past or some substance that you took or something that you think I was such a bad person. If the church found out what I did, they would not even allow me to walk into this place. They would kick me out and you have become consumed by guilt. It could be any number of things that happen, but many times when things happen in our past, we don't just look at what we did, but we say that's who we are, and we feel bad about it, and we come to the conclusion that I am not a good person. And before long, what happens is we begin to start putting words to it, and we internalize it, and we say to ourselves, I am a dirty person. I'm a disgusting person. I'm a bad person. I'm worthless. I'm unwanted. I'm not anything more than a loser. And we have this tendency to put this negative self-talk into our minds. And the shame can become this depressing feeling that consumes us. And like I said earlier, that the teaching was going to be a little heavy Because this is real life of what we experience sometimes. Now, how does this show itself during Christmas? Well, in a couple weeks, we'll be around uh, family tables and things like this will happen. Your mom will lash out at you and say something to you that's going to hurt you big time. And you'll be like, where did that come from? Well, you need to recognize that what she's dealing with is shame. And because of that, she can only send out hurtful words towards other people. Some of you have a dad that every time the family gets together, he has a tendency to go off into the garage to isolate himself from everyone else. And maybe he drinks too much or maybe he just stays away from the family too much. But when he goes off to the garage and he does his own thing, you'll be thinking to yourself, well, there he goes. He does it again. But what you don't recognize is that he doesn't have coping skills to deal with the 
the shame that he has. And so he does it in unhealthy and unproductive ways, and he goes away. For some of you, maybe what will happen is you'll be with the in-laws. And the in-laws will be there when all of a sudden one of the in-laws will start putting you down about your parenting. And you'll be like, what is up with this? Well, what is up with that is they actually feel a little inadequate about their own parenting. And because of that, they push on to you some sense of shame that they want to give to you because they feel bad themselves. Or maybe you actually are going to be the person who is at the Christmas gathering and you have a, you have a tendency to be hypercritical of everybody else that's around. And the reason you do that, when you're critical of other people, the reason you do that is because you have something within you that you see in someone else that you critique yourself and that you feel inward shame. And my deepest prayer is that today that God's healing touch would come into your life and that this would be the year that you can actually say, I'm done with shame. I'm kicking shame out because it can be so dark and devastating if we're consumed by it. Now, the good news is, is I think that God must have realized that you and I would battle with shame. And so throughout scripture, he gives multiple verses and stories about people overcoming shame or words to encourage people to do that. Let me share just a couple of verses on the front side of our teaching today that I hope some of you will cut out of your program or print out or begin to start writing out because it'll help you. One of the ways to get scripture from here into here is that you actually write it out. And I'd encourage you that if you battle with shame, that you would write these two verses out each day uh, this week. Just that commitment. They're not long, but to write them out so that they become a part of you so you can overcome shame. The first one is in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and it says this. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is now, this moment that we're speaking right now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, some of you might be thinking right now, so if you added up all the wrongs that I've done in my past that God is not going to punish me for those? Like, really, Chris? That's what you're saying? No, no, no. I'm not saying that. That's what Scripture says. That God is not a condemning God. He does not come to condemn you at all from your past. Why not? Because Jesus actually died on a cross for that punishment. There is no condemnation because Jesus doesn't condemn you. He loves you. Here's another scripture that you could write down this week. It's in 1 John. It says this. If we confess our sins to God, he can be depended on to forgive us and cleanse us from every wrong. Folks, you see, our God is good and he is a forgiving God. He longs to forgive his children. But the problem is that even for some of you who may be a Christ follower, there's a tendency that you have within yourself, within your being, that even though you know it in your mind, it doesn't register to your heart. 
And it becomes very difficult to overcome shame if that transfer never happens. Because many times what we do is we take what we did and then we make it our identity. And God says, that's not what I want you to experience. Now, let me explain a little bit of how this works in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. You might remember that uh, God's people, the Israelites, uh, came on the scene and they had been in slavery for 430 years. Think about that. 430 years, anything that you've ever known, grandparents, great-great-parents, great-great-grandparents, everybody, all we know is we're a slave. And they put their identity into that until finally they have a sense that I'm worthless. I'm nothing. I'm not enough. I'm not important. I'm not valuable. I'm simply a slave. And if you know the story at all, what takes place is God raises up a leader who is by the name of Moses. And Moses comes onto the scene and he actually determines that God wants to set his people free and God tells him to go to Pharaoh, the guy who is the president or the king of Egypt. And he goes to him and he says, Pharaoh, let God's people go. And God places favor upon Moses and the Egyptians are set free. After 430 years, four centuries, they're finally slave free. But what happened? Though they were outwardly no longer a slave... They inwardly continued to be a slave. Most of them continued to see themselves as slaves inwardly. Though they were out of slavery, slavery was still in them. Though they were out of Egypt, Egypt was still in them. And this is the problem that you and I have. Is that even though God sends his forgiveness to us, we keep picking it back up again and shame has a tendency to consume us. Even in our minds that we know that scripture says this and God says this, in our hearts, because of the shame, we, we stay held hostage within that shame. Now, here is where the problem lies. And if you want to know what the problem is with shame that we have, it's this. And you can put it in your outline. You're still believing something that God says you are not. The problem for many of us when it comes to shame is that we continue to believe something that God says we're not. And that's shame-based thinking. Now, how do we get to that point? How is it that so many of us get so stuck into shame from the things we've done in our past? Well, first of all, uh, we choose to listen to inner critical voices. We choose to listen to inner critical voices. Now, every single one of us have voices. doesn't mean we're schizophrenic, okay? It just means that we have these authority voices that we hear often that are very critical. And they might be from your parents' voice. It might be a voice from a sibling. It may be a voice from a boss. It might be somebody who was a coach or someone who was a teacher or someone who judged you. Maybe it's your own negative self-talk, but you have these voices. And Paul, the guy who wrote close to half of the New Testament, uh, in the same way, he was a person that before Christ, 
He had done some horrible things. He had arrested, he had tortured, he had murdered Christians uh, throughout uh, Israel. And in realizing how terrible he is, you would think that what he would do is stay stuck in his shame. But after he met Jesus and he was transformed, look at what Paul says. He says, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear because that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. In other words, Paul understood that if there is one who is the perfect judge, then he also has to be the perfect forgiver. That perfect judgment can only come from a being that can forgive perfectly. And we read earlier that if we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive how many sins? All of them. Every single one. So, the tool that each one of you have because you're made in the image of God is choice. Every single person has a tool called choice. And you get to choose whether you're going to listen to the past critical voices or you're going to listen to the God who knows you best and loves you most. But we get stuck when we focus only on those, those voices. Another way that we get stuck is we listen to the legalism of religion. We listen to the legalism of religion. Don't raise your hand because we're filming and people could see your hand. But how many of you could think of somebody right now in your family or friends who are religious? Like they are very, very religious. Like no matter what you say you're doing to grow closer to God, it ain't good enough. And they have this tendency to just pour on this sense that you are not religious enough. And there's legalism. It happens in churches all the time. There are some churches that they use their authority to make people do what they want them to do, but it's all based on religion. You see, folks, that's not Christianity, though. That's religion. Christianity is not about do's and don'ts and regulations, but it is about a relationship with the one who knows you best and who loves you most. Christianity isn't a religion. Christianity is a relationship with the one who knows us best and loves us most. The Bible makes a remarkable claim when it says this. God made you alive with Christ and he forgave all our sins. He canceled all the debts which listed all the rules we failed to follow. He took away that record and with its rules and he nailed it to the cross. That's so powerful because basically what is being said is that the laws, the regulations, the rules were all nailed to the cross. If those things could have saved us, we would all just have the Bible only and we would continue to just follow it, whatever rules and regulations it said. 
The good news is, God said, not only will I give my written word, I'll give my actual physical word. I'll send my one and only son. And it's only through him that you're able to have freedom and acceptance from God. And so the problem is, though, is that many of us don't think we're good enough because of critical voices or secondly, because we're not religious enough. We have to do more to be able to have this relationship. Now, the good news is, is that with every problem, there is a solution. And I want to give you the solution this morning. The solution is this. The only way to heal from shame is to move the focus from what I'm not to who Christ is. The only way to heal from shame is to move the focus of from what I'm not to who Christ is. You know, many of us go through our lives and we are focused all the time on what we're not. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not enough. And we go through this mentality that I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not enough. And we have this tendency to get focused so much on what we're not that we forget who we are. Folks, stop it. Because you know what they call that? It's stinking thinking. Stop it. It doesn't help you at all. You stop it. To overcome shame, what we have to do is get the focus off ourselves and what we're not and to put the focus on who Christ is because Christ and Christ alone is the solution to overcoming your shame. Now, in your program or on the app, I kind of gave a sentence with a couple of blanks in it that I'd encourage you to fill out either right now or sometime this week. And it basically says this. It says... I am not blank, whatever your blank is. But then what I want to encourage you to do is to place in what is true. Because of Christ, I am what? Let me give you a couple examples. First of all, I'm not bad. I might have done a bad thing, but I'm not bad. I'm not focusing on what I've done. Because of Christ, I am forgiven. I'm not sick, but because of Christ, I am healed. I am not broken, but because of Christ, I am a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I'm not disgusting, but because of Christ, I am loved. And I never ask you guys to do anything that I'm not willing to do. And so this week I was thinking, God, what are some of those things that I'm not, but have a tendency to... To have shame in my life. And it came around this whole word of being adequate. And I was like, many times in my life I go through and I just think I'm not adequate enough. I'm not an adequate father. I'm not an adequate, uh, you know, husband. I'm not an adequate boss. And so I was trying to think about it, like, what is it for me? And then it came to me that if it was Chris's, this is what it would be. I'm not inadequate Because Christ in me, Christ is enough. I'm not inadequate. Because Christ in me, Christ is more than enough. Christ is more than enough beyond my inadequacies. Now, the story that we talked about earlier 
was about the Israelites. And they had been in slavery how many years? Yeah, good, good. First celebration, those people didn't get it, okay? Uh, So you're good. 430 years. And one day, God sets them free, and they're out of Egypt, but Egypt's still not out of them. They're out of slavery, but slavery is still not out of them. You know, the thing for your mind and my mind is that we can read something and we could say, I'm forgiven, I don't have to carry this shame anymore, but it doesn't get to our hearts. But God does something very, very cool. Even after the Israelites have been set free, he realizes that many of them are still struggling with shame. And so he sends these words to Joshua in Joshua chapter 5 verse 9. And let's read this together. It says, the Lord said to Joshua, and let's read this out loud, everyone in one voice. God says, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. Today I've rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. They had already been out of slavery for years. Why did he do that? Because we have a tendency to want to go back to Egypt or back to slavery because we think what we did is who we are. And what did God say? God said, no, no. Today, the shame is gone. Not tomorrow, not after three years that you've been in counseling Today, the shame is gone. He says, I'm going to roll the shame away. For some of you, you've been weighted down from past shame so much. And today, what God really wants to do is he wants to roll that shame away. But maybe for some of you, you're like, but I remember that voice. Shame on you. Shame on you for what you did. Shame on you. What a horrible thing. I hope many of you never say that. But we hear those recordings and we take it and God says, no, 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 no. Today I roll the shame off. Shame was on you, but now shame is off of you. Shame was on you, but because of God's goodness and his grace and his love for you, the shame is removed. Today, today, right now, Shame is off of you. You know, though, a bunch can stand up here and go, shame is off of you. You're like, yes. But you'll walk out of these doors and you have an enemy. And the enemy will constantly put things in your mind. You just did that. Shame on you. You're not good enough. How could you call yourself a Christian and have a thought like that? And when the enemy speaks, what you need to do is have enough power from Scripture and your mind to be able to say, no, 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 no. I may not be good and I may not have done a bad thing, but that's not who I am. Because of Christ, I am forgiven. He might send a lie to you that says, you're pathetic. Like, seriously, think about what you said or did or whatever. And no, 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 no. Because of Jesus Christ, his strength is all I need. 
Folks, any time the evil one wants to say to you, shame on you, you go, no, 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 no. God rolled it off my shoulders. God rolled it away so I no longer carry the shame. Folks, I don't know what your secret is. I don't know what your shame is from the past. But as I was praying this week, my greatest desire is that you guys would walk from this place today and you would feel a sense that the shame has been rolled off your shoulders. And that whenever the evil one would come, you would have a prayer to actually pray to remind yourself that you are not what you did. You are who Christ says you are. And so there actually is a prayer. A prayer that God gave to His people. And the way I thought we would close out today is by us actually praying this prayer together in one voice. And so the prayer is going to come on the side screen. And uh, in a prayerful attitude... I invite you to simply repeat this prayer, or not repeat, but for us to say it together in unison, this prayer that's on the screen. Let's read it out loud together, everyone on the stream as well. Fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid, there is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth. Folks, you are not what you did. You are not what other people say about you. You are not even what you think about yourself. You are who Christ says you are. And what Christ says you are today is that you are His child. And He loves you. And today, He rolls the shame off your shoulders that you can go in life not living any longer in shame. Let's pray. God, we uh, thank you so much for your goodness. And we thank you for this prayer that reminds us that we no longer have to go into our present moment today having shame from the past. And so, God, we thank you for sending Jesus, who not only came as a, a child, but grew up and went to a cross and died on it so everything could be nailed to it and we could be set free. And right now, I want to pray for some of you that would say, you know what, Chris? I actually, I feel inadequate. When you said that, you said, I am not, but man, I feel that too. Or maybe there's some other phrase or some other word in your life that you have a tendency to tell yourself you're not enough. And today, maybe you'd say, but I really don't want that anymore. I want my identity to be in Christ and Christ alone. And if you want healing in your life, I invite you right now to just close your eyes. No one 
looking. But if you want healing from God for something from the past that you've been calling yourself and you want freedom today from that, I invite you to just raise your hand and say, God, this is what I want. I I need you in my life. I need this to be removed from my shoulders, to be rolled away. Let me pray for you. Loving God, thank you for each person with a raised hand. Let them know, God, that your presence is with them right now. Let them know that in a moment, that you can right now, in this moment, roll away all of their shame. Reassure each person, God, that has a raised hand, that they are precious in your sight. And what they did in their past does not define them, but they are who you say they are. They are your child. God, help us to get the focus off ourselves and to put it on your son who can change everything and who can set us free from shame. You can put your hand down. As we keep praying, maybe for some of you, you've never felt the fullness of God's forgiveness. Maybe you're here for the first time or you kind of like, you know, drifted away and now you've drifted back, but you're just kind of like, I just don't know. There's, there's some things in my past that I just don't know if God could forgive me of. And the reality is, when I was in college, there were some things that I thought to myself, there's no way that God could forgive this. And then I read that scripture that says, now there is no one who is going to be condemned. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And maybe you're like, well, I want that, Chris. I want to walk through the rest of my life not feeling condemned by anything that I've done in my past. Well, I'm telling you, if you confess your sins to him, he says anyone can find that wholeness and forgiveness. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord can have new life. And so... Right now, I'm going to invite you maybe for the first time or you're recommitting yourself to simply repeat a prayer after me. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but we'll all kind of share this prayer together. And I invite you right now to just close your eyes and if you're open to it, to simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, today I give my life to you. Jesus saved me. Forgive me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.